0: part three section five of swan's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section five greatly to madame verdurin's surprise he never failed them he would go to meet them no matter where at restaurants outside paris not that they went there much at first for the season had not yet begun and more frequently at the play in which Madame verdurin delighted one evening when they were dining at home he heard her complain that she had not one of those permits which would save her the trouble of waiting at doors and standing in crowds and say how useful it would be to them at first nights and gala performances at the opera and what a nuisance it had been not having one on the day of gambetta's funeral swann never spoke of his distinguished friends but only of such as might be regarded as detrimental whom therefore he thought it snobbish and in not very good taste to conceal while he frequented the faubourg saint germain he had come to include in the latter class all his friends in the official world of the third republic and so broke in without thinking i'll see to that all right you shall have it in time for the Donitchoff revival. I shall be lunching with the prefect of police tomorrow, as it happens, at the elysee. What's that? The elysee? Dr Cottard roared in a voice of thunder. Yes, at m. Grevy's replied Swann, feeling a little awkward at the effect which his announcement had produced. Are you often taken like that? the painter asked cottard with mock seriousness. As a rule, once an explanation had been given, Cottard would say, ah, good, good, that's all right, then, after which he would show not the least trace of emotion. But this time Swan's last words, instead of the usual calming effect, had that of heating instantly to boiling point, his astonishment at the discovery that a man with whom he himself was actually sitting at table, a man who had no official position, no honors or distinction of any sort, was on visiting terms with the head of the state what's that you say monsieur gravy do you know monsieur gravy he demanded of swann in the stupid and incredulous tone of a constable on duty at the palace when a stranger has come up and asked to see the president of the republic until guessing from his words and manner what as the newspapers say it is a case of he assures the poor lunatic that he will be admitted at once and points the way to the reception ward of the police infirmary i know him slightly we have some friends in common swann dared not add that one of these friends was the prince of wales anyhow he is very free with his invitations and i assure you his luncheon parties are not the least bit amusing they're very simple affairs too you know never more than eight at table he went on trying desperately to cut out everything that seemed to show off his relations with the president in a light too dazzling for the doctor's eyes whereupon cottard at once conforming in his mind to the literal interpretation of what swann was saying decided that invitations from m grevy were very little sought after were sent out in fact into the highways and hedgerows and from that moment he never seemed at all surprised to hear that swann or anyone else was always at the elysee he even felt a little sorry for a man who had to go to luncheon parties which he himself admitted were a bore ah good good that's quite all right then he said in the tone of a customs official who has been suspicious up to now but after hearing your explanations stamps your passport and lets you proceed on your journey without troubling to examine your luggage i can well believe you don't find them amusing those parties indeed it's very good of you to go to them said Madame verdurin who regarded the president of the republic only as a bore to be especially dreaded since he had at his disposal means of seduction and even of compulsion which if employed to captivate her faithful might easily make them fail it seems he's as deaf as a post and eats with his fingers upon my word then it can't be much fun for you going there a note of pity sounded in the doctor's voice and then struck by the number only eight at table are these luncheons what you would describe as intimate he inquired briskly not so much out of idle curiosity as in his linguistic zeal. But so great and glorious a figure was the president of the French Republic in the eyes of Dr. Cottard, that neither the modesty of Swann nor the spite of Madame Verduron could ever wholly efface that first impression, and he never sat down to dinner with the Verdurons without asking anxiously, do you think we shall see Monsieur Swann here this evening? He is a personal friend of Monsieur Grevy's i suppose that means he's what you'd call a gentleman he even went to the length of offering swann a card of invitation to the dental exhibition this will let you in and anyone you take with you he explained but dogs are not admitted i'm just warning you you understand because some friends of mine went there once who hadn't been told and there was the devil to pay as for monsieur verdurin he did not fail to observe the distressing effect upon his wife of the discovery that swann had influential friends of whom he had never spoken if no arrangement had been made to go anywhere it was at the verdurins that swann would find the little nucleus assembled but he never appeared there except in the evenings and would hardly ever accept their invitations to dinner in spite of odette's entreaties i could dine with you alone somewhere if you'd rather she suggested but what about madame verdurin oh that's quite simple i need only say that my dress wasn't ready or that my cab came late there is always some excuse how charming of you Swann said to himself that if he could make odette feel by consenting to meet her only after dinner that there were other pleasures which he preferred to that of her company then the desire that she felt for his would be all the longer in reaching the point of satiety besides as he infinitely preferred to odette's style of beauty that of a little working girl as fresh and plump as a rose with whom he happened to be simultaneously in love he preferred to spend the first part of the evening with her knowing that he was sure to see odette later on for the same reason he would never allow odette to call for him at his house to take him on to the verdurins the little girl used to wait not far from his door at a street-corner remy his coachman knew where to stop she would jump in beside him and hold him in her arms until the carriage drew up at the verdurins he would enter the drawing-room and there while madame verdurin pointing to the roses which he had sent her that morning said i am furious with you and sent him to the place kept for him by the side of odette the pianist would play to them for their two selves and for no one else that little phrase by vinteuil which was so to speak the national anthem of their love he began always with a sustained tremolo from the violin part which for several bars was unaccompanied and filled all the foreground until suddenly it seemed to be drawn aside and just as in those interiors by peter de hoch where the subject is set back a long way through the narrow framework of a half-open door infinitely remote in colour quite different velvety with the radiance of some intervening light the little phrase appeared dancing pastoral interpolated episodic belonging to another world it passed with simple and immortal movements scattering on every side the bounties of its grace smiling ineffably still but swann thought that he could now discern in it some disenchantment it seemed to be aware how vain how hollow was the happiness to which it showed the way in its airy grace there was indeed something definitely achieved and complete in itself like the mood of philosophic detachment which follows an outburst of vain regret but little did that matter to him he looked upon the sonata less in its own light as what it might express had in fact expressed to a certain musician ignorant that any swan or odette anywhere in the world existed when he composed it and would express to all those who should hear it played in centuries to come then as a pledge a token of his love which made even the verdurins and their little pianists think of odette and at the same time of himself which bound her to him by a lasting tie and at that point he had whimsically entreated by odette abandoned the idea of getting some professional to play over to him the whole sonata of which he still knew no more than this one passage why do you want the rest she had asked him our little bit that's all we need he went farther agonized by the reflection at the moment when it passed by him so near and yet so infinitely remote that while it was addressed to their ears it knew them not he would regret almost that it had a meaning of its own an intrinsic and unalterable beauty foreign to themselves just as in the jewels given to us or even in the letters written to us by a woman with whom we are in love we find fault with the water of a stone or with the words of a sentence because they are not fashioned exclusively from the spirit of a fleeting intimacy and of alas unparalleled it would happen as often as not that he had stayed so long outside with his little girl before going to the verdurins that as soon as the little phrase had been rendered by the pianist swann would discover that it was almost time for odette to go home he used to take her back as far as the door of her little house in the rue la perouse behind the arc de and it was perhaps on this account and so as not to demand the monopoly of her favours that he sacrificed the pleasure not so essential to his well-being of seeing her earlier in the evening of arriving with her at the verdurins to the exercise of this other privilege for which she was grateful of their leaving together a privilege which he valued all the more because thanks to it he had the feeling that no one else would see her no one would thrust himself between them no one could prevent him from remaining with her in spirit after he had left her for the night and so night after night she would be taken home in swann's carriage and one night after she had got down and while he stood at the gate and murmured till to-morrow then she turned impulsively from him plucked the last lingering chrysanthemum in the tiny garden which flanked the pathway from the street to her house and as he went back to his carriage thrust it into his hand he held it pressed to his lips during the drive home and when in due course the flower withered locked it away like something very precious in a secret drawer of his desk he would escort her to her gate but no farther twice only had he gone inside to take part in the ceremony of such vital importance in her life of afternoon tea the loneliness and emptiness of those short streets consisting almost entirely of low-roofed houses self-contained but not detached their monotony interrupted here and there by the dark intrusion of some sinister little shop at once an historical document and a sordid survival from the days when the district was still one of ill repute the snow which had lain on the garden beds or clung to the branches of the trees the careless disarray of the season the assertion in this man-made city of a state of nature had all combined to add an element of mystery to the warmth the flowers the luxury which he had found inside passing by on his left-hand side and on what although raised some way above the street was the ground floor of the house odette's bedroom which looked out to the back over another little street running parallel with her own he had climbed a staircase that went straight up between dark painted walls from which hung oriental draperies strings of turkish beads and a huge japanese lantern suspended by a silken cord from the ceiling which last however so that her visitors should not have to complain of the want of any of the latest comforts of western civilization was lighted by a gas-jet inside to the two drawing-rooms large and small these were entered through a narrow lobby the wall of which checkered with the lozenges of a wooden trellis such as you see on garden walls only gilded was lined from end to end by a long rectangular box in which bloomed as though in a hot house, a row of large chrysanthemums at that time still uncommon though by no means so large as the mammoth blossoms which horticulturists have since succeeded in making grow swann was irritated as a rule by the sight of these flowers which had then been the rage in paris for about a year but it had pleased him on this occasion to see the gloom of the little lobby shot with rays of pink and gold and white by the fragrant petals of these ephemeral stars which kindle their cold fires in the murky atmosphere of winter afternoons odette had received him in a tea-gown of pink silk which left her neck and arms bare she had made him sit down beside her in one of the many mysterious little retreats which had been contrived in the various recesses of the room sheltered by enormous palm trees growing out of pots of chinese porcelain or by screens upon which were fastened photographs and fans and bows of ribbon she had said at once you're not comfortable there wait a minute i'll arrange things for you and with a titter of laughter the complacency of which implied that some little invention of her own was being brought into play she had installed behind his head and beneath his feet great cushions of japanese silk which she pummeled and buffeted as though determined to lavish on him all her riches and regardless of their value but when her footmen began to come into the room bringing one after another the innumerable lamps which contained mostly in porcelain vases burned singly or in pairs upon the different pieces of furniture as upon so many altars rekindling in the twilight already almost nocturnal of this winter afternoon the glow of a sunset more lasting more roseate more human filling perhaps with romantic wonder the thoughts of some solitary lover wandering in the street below and brought to a standstill before the mystery of the human presence which those lighted windows at once revealed and screened from sight she had kept an eye sharply fixed on the servant to see whether he set each of the lamps down in the place appointed it she felt that if he were to put even one of them where it ought not to be the general effect of her drawing-room would be destroyed and that her portrait which rested upon a sloping easel draped with plush would not catch the light and so with feverish impatience she followed the man's clumsy movements scolding him severely when he passed too close to a pair of bow pots which she made a point of always tidying herself in case the plants should be knocked over and went across to them now to make sure that he had not broken off any of the flowers she found something quaint in the shape of each of her chinese ornaments and also in her orchids the cataglias especially these being with chrysanthemums her favourite flowers because they had the supreme merit of not looking in the least like other flowers but of being made apparently out of scraps of silk or satin it looks just as though it had been cut out of the lining of my cloak she said to swann pointing to an orchid with a shade of respect in her voice for so smart a flower for this distinguished unexpected sister whom nature had suddenly bestowed upon her so far removed from her in the scale of existence and yet so delicate so refined so much more worthy than many real women of admission to her drawing-room as she drew his attention now to the fiery-tongued dragons painted upon a bowl or stitched upon a fire-screen now to a fleshy cluster of orchids now to a dromedary of inlaid silverwork with ruby eyes which kept company upon her mantelpiece with a toad carved in jade she would pretend now to be shrinking from the ferocity of the monsters or laughing at their absurdity now blushing at the indecency of the flowers now carried away by an irresistible desire to run across and kiss the toad and dromedary calling them darlings and these affections were in sharp contrast to the sincerity of some of her attitudes notably her devotion to our lady of the laghetto who had once when odette was living at nice cured her of a mortal illness and whose medal in gold she always carried on her person attributing to it unlimited powers she poured out swann's tea inquired lemon or cream and on his answering cream please went on smiling a cloud and as he pronounced it excellent you see i know just how you like it this tea had indeed seemed to swann just as it seemed to her something precious and love is so far obliged to find some justification for itself some guarantee of its duration in pleasures which on the contrary would have no existence apart from love and must cease with its passing that when he left her at seven o'clock to go and dress for the evening all the way home sitting bolt upright in his brougham unable to repress the happiness with which the afternoon's adventure had filled him he kept on repeating to himself what fun it would be to have a little woman like that in a place where one could always be certain of finding what one never can be certain of finding a really good cup of tea an hour or so later he received a note from odette and at once recognized that florid handwriting in which an affectation of british stiffness imposed an apparent discipline upon its shapeless characters significant perhaps to less intimate eyes than his of an untidiness of mind a fragmentary education a want of sincerity and decision swann had left his cigarette case at her house why she wrote did you not forget your heart also i should never have let you have that back end of part 3 section 5 recording by expatria in bangor maine